Good morning, church. Wow, I didn't, I just popped, I didn't think there'd be anybody here. <laughs> that is so exciting. I am now pumped up. You know, I spoke to a pretty empty room last service, and, and, uh, but I gave it all I had, but it's easy when I have people. Can I hear from you? Because we have a very important topic today. I've been waiting for a long time to talk to you about this. It's super exciting. I've really never taught a lot on this. I think you're going to really lean in. It's going to be very important for your life. So I want to welcome you, whether you're here at Lenexa Speedway or the many people that are watching online. It is cold outside, but God is in here and he's got our back. Can I get an amen? Okay, so we got a lot to talk about, a lot of heavy kind of spiritual stuff that I think will make a huge difference in your life this year and for our church. So I'm going to need you to bow your heads everywhere and uh, let's just pray. God, we just open up our hands and our hearts and our minds to you right now. Uh, We are believing. We are believing for big things and we are believing that you are a big God and the only thing standing between us and these amazing opportunities is our faith and trust in you. So we open up your word to find direction and when we find it, our hearts will be convinced and we will move in your direction, trusting that it's going to be great. If you believe in that prayer, give me a strong amen. Amen. So in the small Old Testament book of Joel... The people of God had experienced a devastation. They had experienced a plague of locusts running through their town, running through their nation that left them utterly destroyed. Now, I've never lived in a place where a plague of locusts have come through. So as I was reading the book, I just I had a little bit of a time conjuring up the emotion of entering into the story with them of their devastation. And I wanted to connect with them. So I did a little research on the power of locusts coming through your town. Take a look at this little documentary. Since ancient days, locusts have plagued mankind. And even today, they create disasters of vast proportions. These are the deadliest swarms of all, for locusts can ravage entire countries, destroying the lives and livelihoods of millions. Generally, you'll see a locust swarm from a distance, and it looks like a cloud of smoke lying low over the horizon. As it gets closer, the swarm actually rolls as it's moving along. Locusts near the front of the swarm will land and locusts at the rear of the swarm will be jumping up and joining the ones in the air. So as many locusts as you see in the air, there will be an equal number probably in the grass underneath that swarm. A swarm can contain as many as 40 billion individuals and it can stretch for up to 20 miles. But it's not just the numbers of locusts that creates the problem, it's the size of their appetites. jaws cut through vegetation at an incredible rate. In one day, a single swarm can consume 100,000 tons of food, enough to feed a million people for nearly a year. Wow. Do you feel a little bit of their story right now? Take a listen to this from National Geographic. A desert locust swarm can be 460 miles in size. 
Okay, that's the distance between Kansas City and Dallas. And packed between 40 to 80 million locusts in less than a half a square mile. Each locust can eat its weight in plants each day. So a swarm of such size would eat 423 million pounds of plants every single day. This locust plague, along with the drought that accompanied it, left the people of God absolutely devastated. So what does the prophet of God, Joel, recommend that they do? This is what he recommends. Joel chapter 1, verse 14. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Declare a holy fast. That was his solution. Okay, so we haven't experienced a plague of locusts, but we have experienced a global pandemic. And I believe it is going to take us years to unravel the devastation that has resulted in our lives. I don't think we are fully aware of just how wound up tight we are, how stressed we are, how depressed we are, how anxious we are. And it wasn't, it's not just the, the virus itself, but it's all the residual that comes with it. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they stated this statistic. More people in Australia have died of suicide than of the COVID virus. It has been devastating to us. It has been devastating. So the question is, what in the world are we going to do? So back in November, we told you that we have entered into uncharted times. And I think I don't need to belabor that. We have entered into times that we have never experienced in our lifetime before across the globe. And these uncharted times call us into uncharted territory as believers in Jesus to enter into places that we never dreamed we would go before. But I believe in these new territories, there are new uncharted opportunities. And so we need to pursue God and find out what they are. And then we need to have the faith to take on those new opportunities by faith. And I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in the life of our church and in our individual lives in 2022 moving forward if we do. So what am I recommending to you? What am I recommending for our church? Well, what I've discovered over the years that a good prophet is first a good historian. And so I went into the scriptures and I found Joel chapter one. And here is what I am recommending to us. Ready? You may have seen it before. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. So what we are doing is that we are calling the assembly of those who make up Westside Family Church together, whether you come in person or watch online, but you're engaged with us into a 40-day prayer and fasting season. A 40-day prayer and fasting season. It will begin on January the 17th and it will end on February the 25th, a period of 40 days. We're speaking about it today to get spiritually set for this experience if you choose to join us in the mission. And it's going to take spiritual preparation and teaching from the scriptures to see whether or not you have the courage to enter into this experience. And you say, okay, why, Randy? Why now? And I think Jesus said it best. 
uh, in his ministry, he had just healed a boy of an impure spirit that overcame him, that, that uh, just destroyed his life. And the disciples came to Jesus and said, why is it, Jesus, that we weren't able to remove the impure spirit from inside of this boy? And Jesus said it best in Mark chapter 9. He said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. And it is my belief the magnitude of what we have experienced over the last 24 months and moving forward, it's going to take both prayer and fasting. So we need to begin by asking the question, what is fasting? What is fasting? Study the scriptures. Here's a good working definition. Fasting, reframing from something you depend on to set for a set period of time for a spiritual purpose. Let me read that again. Refraining from something you depend on for a set period of time for a spiritual purpose. That is, over the season of fasting, we give up something that we depend upon daily so we can shift that focus to our dependency upon God. In the Bible, Old and New Testament, people were called to fast food. Now, if you didn't listen to me carefully, you're thinking, oh, over the next 40 days, we get to eat McDonald's for the next 40 days and be spiritually rich. No, it's not fast food. It's fast from food, right? Fast from food. And here's the deal. I believe today, even though the scriptures, it's always fasting from food, there are other things that we depend upon daily now in our modern society that we can fast from besides food that will produce the same out. It's anything that you depend upon, that you refrain from to shift to a dependency upon God. But there is tremendous benefit from fasting from food. Here are some physical benefits. Number one, when you fast from food, it gives your digestive system a break. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, some of us, our digestive system needs a break. Number two, when you drink only water for a period of time and not any food, it flushes toxins out of your body and makes you healthier. When you fast from food, it lowers your blood pressure and your cholesterol. And just on the short list of benefits, when you fast from food, if you do it correctly, you lose weight. And all of God's people said... However, if as a believer you enter into a season of fasting for physical reasons only and not spiritual reason, fasting simply becomes a diet. And that's a good thing. Go for it. But we are wanting you to be more consumed by the spiritual benefits of fasting. One pastor said, fasting is a hunger strike against hell. I like that. Fasting, he said, gives us a vertical perspective on our horizontal problems. Divine wisdom amidst our perplexing troubles. Against our perplexing troubles. Now, here's how it works. When you're fasting from something that you depend upon, in the given day, you will feel that loss. Some sort of a hunger pain, if you will. And that triggers you. It reminds you to take that hunger pain and place it upon your dependency on God and to pray, and to pray. Jesus said, for we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And here's what I've discovered in scriptures. When we take this posture of humility and dependency upon God, in every situation I looked at, God turns his ear towards you and his favor towards you and he speaks to you clearly 
and the outcome is unbelievable. So as you think about 2022, does anybody want the ear of God and the hand of God turned towards you? Can I get an amen? A posture of humility through prayer and fasting is simply the best way to get there. So now the question becomes, why do we fast? Why? So when you study the scriptures, which is our authority base, you'll see in the Old Testament that there is a command for the children of Israel to fast just one day a year. One day a year, it's the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. They were to go without food and water for just one day. It was the command. As you move to the pages of the New Testament, we discover that Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law. So as New Testament believers in Jesus, we are not required or commanded to fast at all. So you say, well, then why in the world would we do it? I want you to write this down. We do not fast because we are commanded to. We fast out of a place of desperation. When you see fasting throughout the Bible, you see that people have come into a place of desperation. And in that desperation, they cry out to God. They enter into a life situation, a circumstance, and they're overwhelmed with their human frailty and their inability to know what to do or how to overcome it. And they turn their dependency to God. Now, here are two main spiritual purposes for which a person is to fast that I found in the Bible. First of all, to turn to or back to God. To turn to or back to God. Let me just briefly, if I can, I have so much I want to tell you, but if you're taking notes, check it out later. There are two examples here. First of all, turning to God. You may recall the story of Jonah uh, when he was called to go to Nineveh to preach an eight-word sermon that they need to repent or they're gonna be destroyed. And we see that the Ninevites, this evil people, actually turn to God. They repent, which is what repent means. It means to turn and move in the opposite direction. And the king of the Ninevites or of the Assyrian Empire, this evil people, he declares a fast. Yeah, he declares a fast. And as a result, God relented. He turned his ear and favored toward them and did not destroy them. So sometimes, maybe for, we have about 4 to 7% of Westsiders who are in that place right now where you're leaning in, you're coming, you're interested, you're investigating, but you haven't crossed the line yet. You haven't repented and turned toward God. And maybe that is the reason for this fast for you. You're now entering into an uncharted territory of belief. <laughs> and when you turn you will discover that God has been near you the whole time, that his face is turned towards you. You didn't know it because your back was turned toward him. And when you repent, you humble yourself, he will invite you into his family. But probably for a great majority of the people, 
The reason you fast is not to turn to God, but to turn back to God. You grew up in Sunday school. You went to youth group. You did the whole thing. You might even have got baptized, but then you became an adult. You know, you kind of life got kind of took over and you lost your interest. You lost your way with God. And maybe today you find yourself in a very sort of difficult place. You're not happy with your life. You don't feel that sense of purpose and meaning. Something's missing. And you're sensing that maybe I need to turn back to God. I would encourage you to go to 1 Kings chapter 21. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but it's about a guy who grew up uh, in church, if you will, and he went to Sunday school, except it was on Saturday. So he went to Saturday school. You know, he went to the Jewish youth group, I'm sure, at Jerusalem church, and he was raised in all, but then life got busy. He lost his way, married a gal named Jezebel. His name is Ahab, and he ultimately becomes the king over Israel, and he has lost his way and he is engaged in all kinds of evil behavior. The, 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 uh, God sends the prophet Elijah to confront Ahab. And he tells him some awful things about what's going to happen to Ahab. And Ahab decides to fast. He decides to fast. Matter of fact, we have a picture of it. I don't know if we can call that picture up. Um, Here's a famous picture of Elijah standing in the doorway confronting Jezebel and Ahab. And Jezebel has her arms kind of crossed with arrogance and pride. She has no intention of giving in. And Ahab is completely destroyed at what he's just heard from the prophet of God. And it says in the next verse, God says to Elijah, did you notice, did you notice how humble Ahab is? Yeah, God, I did. God says, because of his humility and because of his fasting, I am not going to do to him what I told you I would do. He turned back to God and he found the favor of God. So maybe that is why you need to enter into a season of fasting, to turn to God or to turn back to God. But there are two more reasons by which you might want to fast, okay? We don't fast because we are commanded to. We fast out of a place of desperation to find direction or make a decision. To find direction or to make a decision. I want to call your attention maybe later in your study to a guy named Jehoshaphat who was also a king in Israel during the divided time. And Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. Of the 40 kings of the divided kingdom of Israel over a period of 300 years, only five of them were good and all in the southern kingdom. And Jehoshaphat was one of them. And one day he discovers that there are three nations that have united together to come up against them and to wage war with them. And the messenger said, not only are they doing this, but they are on their way right now. What did Jehoshaphat do? It says in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, he proclaimed a fast for all the people. Then he gathered all the people together and he issued this prayer. And he finishes the prayer by, with these words. Listen to this. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. They fast and they pray. They fix their eyes on God And God speaks to them. And in that moment, read the story for yourself. God says, I'm going to take over the battle, this overwhelming battle. And on that day, they were 
victorious. Maybe that's why some of you need to enter into a season at the opening of 22 of prayer and fasting because you have a decision to make. You have direction that you need for your life. For many of you, it's because you've entered into a season of crisis or overwhelming confusion and you want to fix your eyes on God. That is where we are at as a church. Yeah, we need direction. Now, make no bones about it. We have a clear sense from God as to what our calling is. We put it on this little bracelet. I hope you pick one up. Five little symbols. We talk about it all the time. If you know it, say it out loud with me. We are God's family, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, sharing Jesus to raise up Christ-centered families in our city and beyond by wrapping God's family around your family. This is what God has called us to do, but we've entered into this uncharted territory where there are more people who are hurting than ever before. There are more people who are struggling. There is more wrong. There is more injustice. There is more people far from God. We sense that he's calling us to step it up, like triply step it up, but we don't know exactly what to do because we look at the spiritual enemy coming up against us and we say to God, we do not have the power to overcome all this. Where do you want us to focus? What do you want us to do? And so we've committed that we're going to do this together. We're going to pray and fast together. And we're going to seek, put our eyes on God. And we know that he's going to speak to us. And he's going to tell us where specifically we are to go. What specifically we are to do. He will speak to us. And then by faith, we will take that on. And the moment we take it on is the moment it shifts from being our battle to being his battle. And he does have the power to overcome it all. And therefore, we will be victorious. Maybe that's the situation you're in right now. I wrote some things down. Maybe you're in an uncharted territory of divorce. You never wanted it, but it couldn't be avoided. And that's your new story. A strained relationship, a dead marriage, a dead-end job, what to do in retirement, a decision to foster a child who needs a second chance, that in 2022, you've got to deal with the depression. You've got to overcome the anxiety, the insomnia, the addiction. You need to, but you're overwhelmed by it. How to parent a wayward child. You've received the diagnosis of cancer or a life-threatening disease, and you're overwhelmed with it. Or how do you keep moving on after losing parent, a mate, or a child, or maybe it's the vision of doing something fresh, of doing something new, but you don't want to get it wrong. You want to get it right. You want God to be in it. You feel overwhelmed, traumatized. You don't have the, have the power, the energy. You're tired to face those that are attacking you. So what do you do? You declare a holy fast. And you put yourself in a position of humility. And when you do, God turns his ear to you. He begins to speak to you. Yeah, he begins to speak to you. And he will give you clarity as you move your dependency from this earthly thing to a dependency upon God who gives the bread of life. And when he speaks to you and he gives you direction by faith, Hebrews chapter 11, you will enter into it and he will give you the power to accomplish it. And because he does have the power to face anything that you are facing, you will see that he will take it on as his battle and you will be victorious. Because here's what I discovered. In every single situation where there is fasting and praying in the Bible, in every single situation when they put themselves in this posture of humility, their stories ended up spectacular. Does anybody want spectacular in 2022? 
Does anybody want spectacular in 2022? Then I declare a holy fast. Enter into it with me. So how are we going to do this? Well, when you came in, we gave you a prayer and fasting card. I want to encourage you to pull that out. If you're watching online, you can download this card and uh, print it out. And I'm going to encourage you over the next couple weeks to fill this out and to be prayerful about it. Declare a holy fast. I, then you fill in your name, willfully enter into 40 days of prayer beginning on January 17th and the period of fasting. The spiritual purpose of this fast is, and here's what we're asking of you, to pray for the leaders of our church as we seek God's direction for the future. This is not something we're going to do in isolation. We're inviting you to pray for us as we seek God's direction for us. And we will have a communication link between us as to what God is speaking to you. But then this is also for you as an individual. And two, and then you insert your spiritual purpose here. And I've listed those four spiritual purposes on the back. You've entered into this fast to turn to God, to turn back to God, to make a decision or to find direction. And then you make that very specific. What is that decision? What is that direction that you are looking for? And then you say, I will commit to pray every day for 40 days. We're inviting you to pray every day for 40 days. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. Some of you, it'll be a long prayer for some of you. It'll just be a minute. But we're asking you to pray for 40 straight days. And then I commit to fast from. And then you determine before the Lord between you and and God, what it is you're going to fast from. And I've given you some ideas on the back. You want to pray for 40 days, but you may decide that you're going to go out without any food or water for one to three days. Or you might decide that you're going to do a liquid diet only, like water or broth, for seven days or more. Or that you're going to continue to eat food, but you're going to eliminate certain foods that you are particularly dependent upon. For some of you, it's salt For me, it's sugar, baby. I love sugar. So maybe it's only fruit and vegetables for 21 days or 40 days or no sugar or no alcohol. That which you depend on. But there are other things that you can fast from in this day and age. Things that we depend on that if we take them out of our day, it will create a form of hunger pain. For some of you, it's technology. Yeah, I just got my read on my phone. It says, your technology was down yesterday. Only three hours and 12 minutes on your phone. God, you got to be kidding me. So from technology, social media, from TV, from network news, you know what? You just might get super happy at the end of that. But whatever it is, you commit before the Lord that you're going to fast from that, and you fill it in on the other side, and you list out the period, the date beginning and the date ending. And then we're going to ask you on before January 17th, on the back of the card, there's going to be a daily reading plan. We want to send you a daily text as a spiritual insight and a prompt to remember this commitment for 40 days beginning on January 17th. All you need to do is text FAST to this number right here, 855-674-0709, Westside's cell number, and then it will register. So we'll begin on January 17th sending you this information. Wow. I've never led a church through this before, so I'm a bit nervous. But I believe this is what God's asked us to do. Let me wrap up with asking the question, the story we started with. So how did it turn out for Joel 
the Old Testament and the people of Israel after they finished their holy fast. This is what we're told in Joel chapter 2. The Lord replied to them, the threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts and other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. I love that phrase. I will repay for the years the locusts have eaten. Maybe that's you. The locusts have eaten away something and God wants to repay for the years the locusts have eaten. I've never told you this story before. Back in the year 2000, 2001, I was pastoring a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and the church was in a season of growth. I was just coming out with a, a book called The Connecting Church that would, that would turn out to be a book that influenced many churches in rediscovering spiritual community again. And the church was just moving from a seven-acre site to an 80-acre site. The church was going, growing. People were being baptized. And I was a young pastor. And I knew enough to know that when things are going super well, that the spiritual enemy is not happy and that attacks are coming. And sure enough, attack coming from a place I never had experienced before came. Two men in the church, both very close to me, began to tell lies about me. And they were able to convince about seven to ten other families that what they were saying was true and eventually got to three of our seven elders in the church and convinced them that what they were saying was true. And Roseanne and I were moved into a season of devastation. And so we entered into a time of humility and prayer before the Lord as to what we were to do. These people actually did a thing that maybe those of you who don't go to church often don't know about, but they disciplined us. They actually left the church, but they disciplined us or they disfellowshipped us and wouldn't let our children play with their children. But the church as a whole didn't know about it. And Roseanne and I went to the Lord and we heard the Lord saying, in our place of humility, don't make this about you. Take the high road. Take it. Keep it to yourself. And we did. For a period of over two years, I stood up in front of the congregation just like this, and I preached with all my heart, and yet this devastation was going on underneath, and it was challenging. About two, two and a half years in, the elders got together and said, we have to do something. They called me to sit into my, in my office, and I did for a period of three hours. When two of them emerged out of the office, out of the room, and came into my office and said, Randy, tonight we, the elders of this church, we affirm you. 
and we believe in you. And we have asked the three elders to resign. And they did. They told the church about it the next Sunday. And the church began to take off like never before. We prayed during that difficult season, Lord, what should we do? And in the middle of that two and a half, three years, another church, twice the size of the church I was pastoring, came and said, we want you to come and be our pastor. And initially I thought, this is the answer. This is the answer. The Lord is providing a way of escape for me. We went to the Lord and the Lord said, no, I need you to stay here. You may one day leave, but it will be when things are great again. But right now you need to weather the storm. I will be with you. And we turned down and we stayed and continued to get beat up. But on that day, we were affirmed. Two years later, the church is doing great. They added uh, three new elders to the board. And one of them, a guy named George Lynch, who was a marketing guy, but also a wonderful painter, uh, wrote us a note and gave us a painting that we have hung in our home since 2005. In 2005, we were invited by a church in Chicago to come and take the writings of the book I had released in 2000 and bring it to them. And the church was doing great. We sought the Lord and we said yes. On our exit, he gave us this painting. We're gonna put a picture of it up. It's three panels. The first panel says, for the years. The second panel, the locusts have eaten. The third panel, I will repay. You'll notice that in the first two panels, there is darkness, there is no vegetation, there is death. But in the third panel, those little green sprouts are brand new vegetation that God would restore in our lives. And he did. I've experienced this, and I want you to experience it too. I tell you the truth, the locust has eaten our lunch. The locust has eaten our lunch. Did it for Israel, it's been doing all along, and maybe for some of us during this pandemic or in your personal life, the locust has eaten your lunch. And the Lord wants to say to you, I will repay for all the years the locusts have eaten. Turn your ear toward me. Humble yourself before me because in Christ you will overcome. We turn to the pages of the New Testament and we run into a guy named John the Baptist, a scruffy, bohemian sort of guy. His only clothes that he wore was camel hair held together by a belt. And it says that he came out of the wilderness introducing us to a person named Jesus who would be the savior of the world. And it says that his diet was locusts and honey. Yeah. Leviticus chapter 11, check it out. Of all of the insects, only the locusts were considered to be clean insects to eat and were permitted as good food for the people of God. And so he ate locusts but he put a little bit of honey on it. And for that, I'm appreciative. What is he saying to us? He's saying the locusts have eaten your lunch, but in Christ, we eat the locusts for lunch. So my team, 
Got some locusts. And I want to demonstrate the victory we have in Christ. But first, I want to put some honey on it. Maybe a little bit more. Let me give thanks. Dear Lord, we recognize before you that our lives have been devastated by locusts in our life that have robbed so much from us. But on this day, in Christ, we declare that we eat the locusts for lunch. Today, we declare a holy fast where we will come before you in humility. We will turn our ears toward you, and we know that you will turn your ears and your voice toward us, and you will speak to us. So now, Father, I thank you for the locusts because it has brought me, it has brought us to a place of, of desperation for you, to a place where we will draw close to you, we will listen to you, we will draw for you for power. So I ask you, bless this locust to my body and me to your service. And all of God's people said. Tastes like chicken. Let's be standing and worshiping together.